visiting with us today in the room, um, I take it um, as an honor and very seriously that you decided to hang out with us today. If you need anything, just find somebody that's got I'm here to help sticker, and uh, we will get you where you need to go or the information that you need. Um, I was back in the back uh, getting some things ready when Melanie uh, prayed over the Honduras guys. I'm excited to be going with them, so we'll head out here at uh, O'Dark 30 in the morning and uh, just be praying for us. The rain, there's supposed to be some rain now, and apparently American Airlines is scared of rain. Um, so we're going to pray that they get it together. And, and I told the guys this time, even if we're on the ground in Honduras for 10 minutes, we're going. Like, we're going this time, and I want to be able to say that you guys put your feet down in another country. And, uh, but in all seriousness, no, I believe God's going to get us there safely, the planes and everything, pilots, and everybody's going to get us there as we need to go. We're going to finish up our series today on the Holy Bible. Um, if you've missed it, I encourage you to go back online, watch them. Uh, part one, two, and three kind of leads up to today. But we talked about being able to love it, learn it, and live the Word of God, um, that we need to be doing those things. Part two, we talked about finding you a version. And uh, I went into a lot of detail that I normally don't go into on these messages, but on, on the part two about the different versions and where it came from and how it was laid out. Part three, last week we talked about why you can trust the Bible. I went through all kinds of facts, and then we threw things that the world says is true and history says is true. The Bible matches everything. It's, it proves to you that you can, you can trust the Bible uh, and the odds of, of it happening just naturally. People say, well, it can't happen. Well, it didn't happen naturally. God wrote the Bible, so it was, it was nothing um, even close to natural. And then today, I'm going to tell you, really in the simplest terms, I broke it down into three quick points. In the simplest terms I can, what the Bible says about our God. Because we've determined you need to love it, live it, and learn it. We've determined you need to find it and read it and get it in you. And the Bible says it needs to fill you up. We've determined that it's true. So I want to show you today what the Bible tells us about God, what it tells us about why he did things the way he did, why that Jesus really is the only way. But see, the problem is we get hung up with this word right here, this four-letter word called only. And sometimes even the world and Christians, are, they'll do it together. The world's saying, well, you're just exclusive. You don't like people. It's, if it's only and only, then... You don't let people in. There are still some churches, and God help them, they're going to be in for a surprise when they get to heaven. Um, but they think everybody in heaven looks like them. And whether you're black, white, brown, in between, whatever color, if you're going to be majorly disappointed if you think everybody in heaven is going to look like you. Matter of fact, I think, I think God's going to plop you down right next to somebody that's not like you to prove to us he created us all. See, the word only really gets us, get even Christians in trouble because we don't like to say it because I might offend somebody. That Jesus is the only. He's the only. Well, what if people are just good? What if, like Oprah Winfrey said all these years ago, these are just good people, they do good things, and therefore we know that God loves them? Well, this is not a question of love. It's a question of that there's only one way. See, the second part comes, there's only one way. This is the only way. And I'm going to show you this morning, I don't think 
uh, Christians or Christianity is exclusionary. That Jesus said, I'm the only way. Then we have, again, people asking, even Christians, again, asking ourselves, well, what about the good, what good people? What about people that lived before Jesus came? What about those people? What about people who will never hear somebody say the name of Jesus or even teach them about a God or teach them about Jesus? And it, it's okay to ask these questions. See, I don't think God gets upset when we say, God, I don't understand. I love you, and I received Jesus, and I know I'm going to heaven, but what about so-and-so? They're a good person, or they've lived, you know, these people that lived before Jesus showed up. Why can't it be enough? Well, let me tell you this. First of all, all religions, and I don't really like to refer to Christianity as a religion, because to me it's not. It's, all, it's, it's something completely different. But if you think about all major religions, they're all exclusionary. They're all exclusive. You get into Islam and you, you read about that it, there's one way. They think that Muhammad's the answer. And they're very, I mean, these are the reason that these people are blowing stuff up and killing themselves because they're so, they're so exclusionary. But that's not what even Christianity says. I would actually say Christianity is the most inclusive and the most simplistic the least complicated quote religion and I know people call it religion but I, I really don't like that you see the Bible says that it's, it's so so easy to understand that it's not dependent on what you do it's dependent on your willingness to receive so you don't have to earn your way in you just have to receive it. Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus that when you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart that he is Lord and you receive it. And nowhere does it say you have to understand it. Nowhere does it say you have to explain it. It just says I have to believe it. I've been reading my Bible for a long time, every day for years. And there's still huge pieces of it that I go, I just, I don't get it, God. I don't understand. But that doesn't change my willingness to receive your willingness to receive someone who did everything for you. So why do people say it's inclusive? Or it's, why is Christianity inclusive? Why is it not exclusive? Let me tell you, there's this word right here. You'll see all the way through the Bible, these words, whoever. All through the Bible it says whoever. Whoever comes, whoever believes, whoever seeks me. Nowhere does it push people out. Again, all these valid questions of what do we do about people who never heard or were never preached to. Well, you can relax, and I'm not going to get into it today, but let me just tell you this much. The Bible answer all the, answers all these questions about what about people today who never hear Jesus and what about people who were born and lived before Jesus came in the, in the Old Testament. The Bible answers all of that. But to answer these hard questions of the only way, we have to answer it through the lens or through through the truth of who is God. What are his attributes? What does the Bible tell us about his attributes? We have to filter it through the one who wrote it. So I'm going to give you these three attributes that describe God, and I'm going to get to the place of telling you why only Jesus. The first one is this, that God is good. He's good. 
Psalm 86, 5 says that, Lord, you're so good and you're ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all those who ask your help. Notice it says all those. It doesn't say some of those. It doesn't say the ones I like the most. It doesn't say the ones that everybody agrees on. Now, for a lot of Christians, this is very hard. Because if you believe everybody in heaven is going to look like you, or God only came for certain people, or, or God, there's no way God could love that community. There's no way God could love that person. They're messed up. I always, my kind of go-to to explain, talk about this is, if you remember, there's a serial killer named Jeffrey Dahmer. Not only was he the killer, he was a cannibal. It was, it was horrible. They catch him, go through all trial. He goes to, he goes to prison, and about two weeks before he, would, he was beaten to death, some guys, I think, jumped him and beat him to death with, with soap and a sock. That's a pretty terrible way to go. A few weeks before that, Jeffrey Dahmer's meet, meets with a pastor and has a legitimate salvation experience. A good God says that's possible. That's how he says, I'm ready for all those who ask. Look what it says in Psalm 98 too. It says, the Lord has made his salvation, say this with me, salvation known. Say it again, salvation. And he's done something else. He's revealed it, his righteousness to who he is, to the nations. Now, for all of you English majors and you pe- maybe you people like me who were terrible at English and just did good to get out of high school with English, nations. Is that plural or singular? Y'all had to stop and think for a moment, didn't you? It's plural. It's not one nation. It's not one people. He says, I've made myself known and my righteousness, my way to rightness, known to everybody. To everybody. That God's ready to receive. He's wanting to be found. Luke 19.10 says this. It says, for the Son of Man, this is talking about Jesus, came to seek and save. We're singing that song, Reckless Love, that he's pursuing after. He's, there's a, there's a, a, it's in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the Gospels. There's a parable that Jesus talks, and he tells them about sheep, and he tells it about coins. He says there's 99 sheep and one's missing. There's 99 coins and one's missing. The Bible's very clear that God's eyes are on that, nine, that, that hundredth, that one that's missing. Because the Bible says he's seeking that one that they may be found. So God is, God is good. He's ready to forgive. But there is, in goodness, we need to understand, just for our simple terms today, what's the opposite of good? Bad. Evil. So if God is good, then what's the opposite? Bad. I mean, you can, call it, you can get spiritual and call it evil, but... Um, you know, Christianity and what we believe in its simplest form is good God, bad devil, right? If you have any answer in life of what things that are coming at you and it's bad, who do you attribute it to? The devil. The goodness in life is attributed to God. But look what Romans says in Romans 1. It said, God shows his anger from heaven against all the sinful and wicked people. These are people who just say God is bad or who don't follow God, or who maybe have never known because they haven't expressed faith. All the wicked people suppress their truth, suppress truth by their wickedness. 
So these are people that should, that don't know or, or that ignore God, whatever you want to categorize it. But the next verse, it says they don't know the truth about God or they know the truth about God. Why? Because God has made it obvious. I mean, there's part of me next, or actually tomorrow afternoon, some of you guys who are going with us to Honduras, when we get to where our care point is, it's up on the side of a mountain. And I love watching and taking new people because for the first hour, everybody's like deer in headlights. And it's, not, it's overwhelming if you've never traveled. It is. But when you stand on the edge of that mountain and look across this valley, it's just a different scenery than good old Sylvania. And it's just, it's kind of overwhelming. It's just like, how could you not know there's a God? This did not happen by accident. This wasn't some cosmic uh, mistake. But the Bible goes on in Romans and says, for, for ever since the world was created, God said, poof, and this beauty existed. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities and his eternal power and his divine nature. They can see it all. And look what Paul says as he's writing to the Roman church in this last part of the verse. So they have no excuse. You want to know about people who never have heard about God? How the Bible says, I've made it so obvious in in my creation. The problem has come, especially in our culture, we begin to worship what's created, not the creator. This is where environmentalism has its place. And I agree, we don't need to be, you know, doing dumb stuff and killing stuff off. But I don't worship the earth, I worship the one who created the earth. And God's goodness, he says, I've I've made it known for all of you. I've made myself known that you can find me. I went digging this week and found a pastor friend of mine that I follow. And he tells this story, and I've altered it a little bit just to protect the information. But he told me a story about a guy we'll call Ali. He's a, he lived in a predominantly Muslim country. Um, he was a young man in his, I think, 20s or so. But his whole family was in leadership in this country. And for about 30 days, he would go to bed at night, and ha- he would have a dream about this man that introduced himself as Jesus. He would go to bed, have the dream, get up, and it just, it was reoccurring. About day 25 or 30, somewhere in toward the end, he went to a, a mother or a grandmother, somebody trusted, and told them, I'm having these dreams every night. What do I do? And the relative said, well, you know, if your brothers find out, you're a dead man. Because we, they are exclusive. You don't do this. You don't say this. If they even know you're dreaming, that was the end of it. So the short of the story is the man goes back to bed the next night and decides to just respond. Has the dream, wakes up, and says, Jesus, whatever it is you have, I'll receive it. Here's the key word. I'll receive it. The man was instantly saved. He ended up going to the U.S. to get trained as a missionary, and he's now back in this, in this predominantly Muslim country as a Christian missionary. He tells his story that he never heard the name of Jesus. He never read a Bible. 
yet he had an undeniable salvation experience. That, to me, is a good God. The Bible says he's made his way known. And for whatever reason, God chose to start tapping on this guy's life. I'm going to give you a dream, give you a dream, give you a dream. We have dreams and a lot of us think, oh, I just had some bad pizza. Or that was weird. But when it comes to something that's so stark, so real, so life-altering for this guy, it tells me that God is good. The second thing, God is just. He's, he's right. He's always right. God is a good God. He's a just God because he reaches out. And here's the inclusive part. What makes him just is he reaches out to everyone. There's a lot in, in the media and in our society today about, um, even from whatever political angle you can come at, about who's accepted. It, you know, we can't tell people that this is not right. We can't tell people that this lifestyle is wrong. God's justness says, I'm reaching out to all of you. All of you don't have to do anything. I've already paid the price. I've already done it all. All you have to do is receive. And the Bible says that God has, has the plans. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know I have the plans for you, says the Lord. And he's plans for us. This is God talking to all of us. The plan is good, not disaster. Hope and a future. And that's for all of us. None of us are special. God doesn't change the rules on us as we go because it wouldn't be just. I can remember playing with, with uh, Mabel, who's, who's now my 14-year-old. So I think, sorry, I just had to set in with that for a minute. And when she was little, if you know Mabel, she, I'm convinced she's smarter than I am. She just doesn't have the life experience to outsmart me yet. She'll get there. But when she was little, we would play hide-and-seek or play a game. She does not like to lose. She does not, matter of fact, she would rather not play than take a chance on losing. And so we would play a game like hide-and-seek. And, seek. and she, I would find her. And she would say stuff like, oh, wait, you got to find me three times. That doesn't count. I didn't lose. We just got to do three times. Or, she, you know, you're playing a game and she would change the rules. Or she would come out to us and say, hey, I invented this game, and let's play this game, and we'd play it, and then we'd beat her. Because she would always come with it, thinking she had it rigged so she would win. And we would, we would outsmart her, and she'd go, no, no, wait a minute. You can't do it that way. You have to do it this way. See, what if God did that to us? What if God said, okay, you just need to believe, and then you get into it. So let's not really believe, and first you've got to fix this, 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 and this. You know, I know, I know you got a dirty mouth, so you're going to have to fix that. You know, you got this issue, you hate somebody, you're, maybe you're a glutton, maybe you're an alcoholic, maybe you've done this, this, and this, and you got to get it all fixed before you come to me. See, God doesn't say that, and what makes him just is he says to everybody, come on. It's what I've said here from the beginning, from those doors out there to walk in here, there is nothing you have to do. Maybe have some clothes on, that'd be nice. You bring your stuff with you. You bring your mess with you. Because if God doesn't say to me, Clint, you have to change anything, why would I go to somebody else and say, you got to change something before you can come in here? Or God's not going to meet you where you are. You're going to have to meet him halfway. That is not in the Bible. The Bible says 
He's literally behind us, walking behind us, waiting on us to turn around and go, okay, I, I give up, I receive. Because the Bible says he's got a hope and a future. If you continue on in Jeremiah in 29, 12, it says, um, it says if you go back to that, I forgot it. He says this, he goes, hey, if you're going to look for me, you're going to find me. Because again, how, it's not how much you know is not the issue. Notice he says, if you seek, you find. This is the hide-and-seek game. He's not changing the rules. If you seek me, you might find me. If you seek me, I'm going to throw you some curveballs. He says, if you seek me, you're going to find me. Because it's not how much you know. It's about the intensity of your search. Some of us, I would say, maybe over the years have said, yeah, I'm searching for God. I, you know, I'm, I'm in that. People tell me this a lot. Are you ready? I ask them, hey, have you received Jesus? Why don't we just pray together? You can do it right now. It's easy. No, I'm, I'm searching. I'm still trying to figure things out. What they're telling you is they just don't want to. And Jeremiah goes on, and now in Jeremiah 29, 12, says, in those days when you pray, I'm going to listen. I believe the Father in heaven stays constantly like this. He's waiting for Jimmy or for Keith to go, Father? And he's like, yes. Anybody ever done that at night? I don't know about you, but Emma did it to us last night. I was dead asleep. And all of a sudden I hear, Mama. And it was like lightning. And my instinct is to go into protective mode. Okay, who's it? You know, do I, where's my gun? You know, what's going on? And you're just running through all these things in that split second. See, I think God is like that. He's just waiting for us to go, Daddy? Yes. What? I'm here. Ready? What do you need? I think the Bible, but look what it says when, when you're seeking. If you look for me, and I highlighted the word, say it with me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, then there's guaranteed results. This is not a halfway game. And I think a lot of us, even as Christians, out maybe we were living wholeheartedly in pursuit. We've kind of slacked off, and we wonder why we're wandering around in circles. It's because somewhere you went from whole heart to just most of it. Or maybe whole heart to you just done away with God altogether. But he says, you'll find me. You'll find me in the intensity of your, of your search, not how much you know is what he's after. Are you going to move? Are you going to search for him? Is it, is it all of you? Deuteronomy tells us this. He says, there, there you're going to search again. He's talking about the children of Israel. And if you search with him with your whole heart and your whole soul, here again he says, you'll find him. Why? Because he's just. He's right. He's fair. He says, you seek for me. There's a result. You find me. We overcomplicate the Bible and what God's Word says to make us feel like we've got to do all of this stuff. And it's just not true. The Bible says he's just. And then the third one. Ushers, you guys can do your thing. And I know we're early, so just stay with me. And that should be three, not two. I don't know why that says two or three. And that is this, that God is love. Now, this is key that we understand this. God does not, let me say, say it this way, God has love for you, but that, he doesn't just have it. You and I have love for somebody else. I have love for Melanie. I have love for this church. I have love for its people. 
but that we need to make sure that we understand the difference. God not only has love, God is love. All through the Bible, it tells us He is love. Look what it says in, in John chapter 3. Most of us know this verse. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that some people, so that the holy people, so that the people who read their Bible every day, so that the people who tithe every day, so that the people who raise the perfect kids that never misbehave, so that the people who never drive over the speed limit, so that the people who always eat healthy food, so that the people always think good about your neighbor, so that the people never talk bad about anybody else, so the people that got it all together. No, it says everyone. So the people who don't know God, to the people who cuss at God, to the people who live crazy lifestyles, to the people who hate their neighbors, to the people who think that their race is the only race, all of those people. The Bible says, whoever believes in him are not going to perish, but have everlasting life. The great thing about this is you walk through the doors and God says, I don't care what you bring, just believe. And once we realize that God is good, God is just, and God is love, and we receive it, then the Bible says the work begins. Okay, this is now what this is now you have me, but now we're gonna start working on this. Hey, that anger problem you have, we're gonna start working on it. I'm gonna start nudging you and, and, and giving you a break check. Hey, before you blow up, take a minute. Before you say this to your wife or your family, take a minute. But it's always that when you believe. Because God has given all of us a choice. God doesn't send people to hell. It's one of the things I've heard preachers say it and Christians say it, and I, it just makes me want to grab somebody. God does not send you to hell. You have a choice. Well, he's given us a choice. Heaven? Not heaven. Hell. It's a choice. God, in that, he gave us a choice. He gave us this word called free will. Because God didn't want robots. God didn't want people that he just commanded and puppets and he pulled the strings if you go back to the beginning the bible says that god wanted a relationship not religion not a set of rules we follow that's why he sent jesus see religion is man's attempt for us to get to god figure out all these different ways even within christianity they they change the rules and well, you really don't need Jesus, you just need to be good. And you don't really need Jesus, you just need to, you know, take care of the environment. Or you just love the whales and the dolphins or the barn owls. And if you do all that, then, <clears throat> then God loves you. And you can come to heaven. It's just not it. See, Jesus is God's attempt to bring man back to God. And I'm going to be honest with you. I really struggled with the word attempt. 
But it is. Because the ball is not in God's court. The ball is in your court and mine. So you choose to receive it or you don't. God has made his attempt. One version of the Bible says that God has made his appeal. He's made his sales pitch. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to you don't have to behave. You just have to receive. Why? Because of the goodness of God. This this appeal goes to everyone. Why? Because of the justness of God. And there's no strings attached. You simply have to be willing to receive someone who's done everything for you. Why? Because of the love of God. That's why I submit to you today that Jesus is the only way. God's not going to make another attempt. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this not so many words, and I think it's true for us. If somebody makes an attempt and you kind of push them off, whose fault is it? It's something you really want, but you just you push them away. See, the Bible tells us, let me tell you it this way. The Bible tells us twice that Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. You want to memorize a Bible verse today? Help you out. John eleven thirty five. It's not on the screen. You just have to remember it. John eleven thirty five says that Jesus wept. He wept two times. The first time was when they called him. If you don't know the story, they call him to the fr- his friend Lazarus, who's already dead and in the grave. And he gets there, and Martha and Mary are there, and they're crying. So you should have been here. You should have been here. And then the Bible says that Jesus wept. Well, he didn't weep because of Lazarus' death because if you know the story, a few minutes later, he's like, Lazarus, come on out here. And the Bible says Lazarus in his grave clothes stood up and wiggled his way out. So he wasn't crying because he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He wept because he empathized with those two ladies and his heart hurt because their heart hurt. He realized, too, that they had lost something. They had lost faith that he was going to do what he said he would do. Like, why are y'all freaking out? I'm convinced if, the, if it changed and they had just been waiting on Jesus, like, you know, Lazarus in the grave, he's stinking by now. Why aren't y'all upset? Well, because Jesus is going to come, he's going to bring him out, and we're going to be okay. They weren't that way. They had lost something. They had lost faith in who Jesus was. The second time, The Bible tells of Jesus that when he rides into Jerusalem to go be crucified, if you listen back to the previous series, thousands of years before, it was prophesied he would ride in on a donkey. Jesus goes, the prophecy is fulfilled, he's riding in on a donkey, and the Bible tells us that Jesus again wept. What was he weeping over? He wasn't weeping because he was going to the cross. He was weeping because he was riding into a city that was supposed to be his people, the Jewish people. Yet most of the Jewish people were rejecting him. He offered them goodness, justness, and love, and they rejected it. That's why Jesus wept. The only way to express this, the goodness, the justness, and the love of God is through Jesus. 
And again, that's why Jesus is the only way. Before we move on this morning, I just want to offer you a chance. Normally I say with heads bowed and eyes closed, but today I'm just feeling a little spunky. So with eyes open and everybody watching, is it today that you go, I was there, but I'm not wholehearted anymore, or I've never been there? And is that you this morning that could just simply make this prayer and say, Jesus, I don't understand all this, but I'm sorry. Forgive me, but I receive you as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray it. I'm just going to just wave at me real quick. I'm not going to call you up. All right, let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the way. Now the work starts. This morning before we leave, as Melanie said, we just finished up last week our, uh, our seven-day restart. And as you see, we left all the cards on the front up here. Um, I don't know if online, you probably can't see them down here at my feet. Um, but as we finish in talking with Melanie yesterday, as a church, as a pastor, I want, I want to pray for you. And what I'm going to do see Pastor Bob and Tammy. I've asked a couple. If I, if I came to you and asked you, I've got five or six, well, six or so people. Y'all can come on in. And they're just going to stand here with their backs to the stage. And I'm going to go ahead and ask you if you will stand with me. And these guys, see me all come over to the middle. Y'all can come on over. Don't worry. If, if, if we got more people than people praying, during the last song, if this is you, and I'm warning you, I'm going to commit you, okay? So this is a warning for two groups. If you have a card that you put on the stage in the last two weeks, can you raise your hand? Now, if you have a card you put on the stage and in the last week you haven't seen the results yet, don't let the devil talk you out of this. Don't get in your head. Don't worry about anybody around you. But if it's something you're still believing for, I need somebody to step out of their seat and walk and stand in front of some of these people. And we're simply going to say, I put my faith with you because God says his word is true. All right, on kind of three, one, two, three, somebody move. Come on. Now, here's the second group. If you've got cards up here that you still need prayer for, you're coming on. The second group. How many would raise your hand and say, there's some things I didn't put on cards. I wasn't here or maybe something else is going on. And you would say, I just need somebody to believe with me. And then you fill in the blank. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you, just come here. Just, we're going to do a line right here and we're going to sing one more song. This is going to be just a few minutes. I'm not holding you over. We built time into the service. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to step out and come on. We're going to pray with you. We're going to agree with you. Just kind of line up shoulder to shoulder. It's not complicated. It's not going to be a big dramatic. I just want hands on so that you know faith has come. That your life is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and what? His righteousness. For the rest of you, if you would, 
we're going to sing this song. I'm going to bless you, and then we're going to sing while they pray. God, I thank you for my family. I thank you, Father, those who are still coming forward, that they're stepping out in faith because we believe you are good, you are just, and God, you love us. And I thank you for being so good. Thank you, Father God, as we leave today that we're blessed, we're whole, complete, and lacking nothing. And I thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody says.